Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Because he gets up in the morning and he goes to work at nine. And he comes back home at 5.30. Welcome to an HBC special report. I'm John Adams along with Chris Kendall. And today's special report is titled Billionaire Boys Club. Mr. Kendall, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing quite well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, we've got a special report today. It is a follow-up report. Um, to our earlier report titled Girl Power of the Power Elite. And uh, we are going to look at uh, the backgrounds of some famous people and uh, their lesser-known connections to more elite circles. All right. So get right into that. Um So yeah, there's actors, and uh, on our on our previous report, we had looked at some actresses and uh, some singers and things like that, and some and uh, models and some of their connections to, um, like I said, more elite type circles. And uh, these are things that are not really brought up too often. Um, and so. Uh, First off, one guy we've mentioned quite a bit because of uh, his interesting connections is uh, the actor Bradley Cooper. And um, Bradley Cooper was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and he grew up in nearby Jenkintown. And his mother, Gloria, worked for a local NBC affiliate. And his father, Charles, who died on January 15, 2011, worked as a stockbroker for Merrill Lynch. He has an older sister, Holly. He was raised Catholic. His father was Irish descent, and his mother is of Italian. While attending Germantown Academy, Cooper worked at the Philadelphia Daily News. After graduating from Germantown Academy in 1993, Cooper met Apurva Walimbe, upon whose suggestion he attended Villanova University, his father's alma mater, for a year before transferring to Georgetown. Cooper graduated with honors from Georgetown University with a B.A. in English in 1997. He became fluent in French at Georgetown and spent six months as an exchange student in Aix-en-Provence, France. Later in 2000, he received an MFA in acting from the Actors Studio Drama School at the New School in New York City. While studying at the New School, Cooper worked as a doorman at the Morgan's Hotel. And, of course, he's very famous for 
uh, starring as Chris Kyle in the Clint Eastwood-directed American Sniper film. Cooper has donated to Kennedy to the Democratic Party. He attended the 2016 Democratic National Convention where Hillary Clinton received the nomination for president. He received backlash from conservatives for attending the convention. He was there to hear President Obama speak, who he described as an incredible president. So, uh, yeah. And uh, Mr. Cooper, of course, was intimately involved with the Boston bombing. You want to talk about that, Chris? Yeah, he he was there uh, with the uh, you know alleged victims of the Boston bombing, taking pictures. And it, was that around the same time that he was doing American Sniper, or had finished that? Or I was trying to recollect what the timeline was on that. Yeah, that's all very interesting considering Chris Kyle is the, you know, his, what, his craft international was the one running the fake Boston bombing. And then Bradley Cooper's there hanging out with all the alleged victims. And then he goes on to play Chris Kyle in the movie. (laughs) Right. And Craft International, they were on the scene at the San Bernardino shooting. Uh, that's that's what was reported. Um, they specialize in hyper-realistic training. And I put together a video that's on hoaxbustercall.com. It's, it's warning graphic content dot 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 question mark. Uh, and, it's, and it's going into all of that where it's showing you Kraft International on the scene at the Boston bombing. Uh, then it Comparing and contrasting, you know, the Stu, Stu Siegel, uh, um, what is it, Commu- uh, the, gosh, um, well, it's uh, Special Operations uh, Command, like, for hyper-realistic training and simulation, and then I did a little compare and contrast of the bomb, the bombs they use, the kind of flash smoke bombs they use for training to simulate explosions, and it looks I, virtually identical, I would say, just straight across the board identical to the Boston bombing alleged bomb. And, uh, yeah, so that's an interesting tie-in with Bradley Cooper. And he was there. I, I, don't, know, I don't think he was there on the scene. <clears throat> but there is an interesting photo of, like, somebody who resembles i don't know if it's steven spielberg i don't think it is but it just happens to like have a very striking resemblance to steven spielberg but he was i think was going to initially direct american sniper but then decided not to so i mean there's just i mean that's just an interesting aside i don't know what to make of that or whether to make much of it but yeah uh, if you recollect that the Steven Spielberg look-alike there. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who who directed that Boston bombing movie with Mark Wahlberg. Oh, right. Yeah, who who directed that? Uh, I'd have to look that up. Is that Boston Strong or something like that? The Boston bombing movie. 
starring Marky Mark. Mm-hmm. Patriot's Day. Patriot's Day. <clears throat> oh, Peter Berg was the director, huh? Okay. Peter Berg. Peter Bergson. He was a... Uh, I can't remember what he's famous for. He was a... Uh, he used to be an actor before he was a director. Back in the... Uh, See, Peter Berg was born in 64 in New York, the son of Sally Winkler and Lawrence Berg, a U.S. Marine. Berg's father was Jewish. His maternal grandfather, through his mother Berg, is second cousin of H.G. Bissinger, whose book Friday Night Lights provide the basis for Berg's film and TV series of the same name. Um, he graduated from the Taft School in 1980. Uh, which is a private, which it's a boarding school in Connecticut, and it's named after. It was founded by Horace Dutton Taft, brother of William Howard Taft, which those both guys were both uh, skull and bones. Hmm. And their father founded Skull and Bones. Ah. Interestingly enough. Interesting. Oh, interesting. Jeff Skunk Baxter went to the Taft School from Steely Dan and the Doobie Brothers. Mm. And he's got an interesting background. I don't know if you're aware of that. Are you aware of Jeff Skunk Baxter's interesting background? He, he's a good guitar player, but he's... um. Uh, he was born in D.C. and he uh, basically works for a defense contractor. Now, Baxter fell into his second profession almost by accident in the mid-80s. His interest in recording technology led him to wonder about the hardware and software that was originally developed for military use specifically data compression algorithms and large-capacity storage devices. His next-door neighbor was a retired engineer who had worked on the Sidewinder missile program. This neighbor brought Baxter, bought Baxter's subscription to Aviation Week, provoking his interest in additional military-oriented publications. He became self-taught in this area. At one point, he wrote a five-page paper that proposed converting the ship-based anti-aircraft Aegis missile into a rudimentary missile defense system. He gave the paper to California Republican Dana Rohrbacher, and his career as a defense consultant began. Baxter's work with, the, with, that, with panels led to consulting contracts with the Pentagon's Missile Defense Agency and National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. He now consults to the U.S. Defense Department and the U.S. intelligence community as well as for defense-oriented manufacturers including SAIC, Northrop Grumman, General Dynamics, and General Atomic Aeronautical Systems. That's Jeff Skunk Baxter from the Doobie Brothers. And Steely Dan, he attended the Taft School. 
But do you know what Jeff Skunk Baxter did post Doobie Brothers music career? I don't. Hmm. He went to a uh, marijuana dispensary and uh, clipped Bud. No, not quite. Actually, Baxter's interest in music recording technology led him to wonder about hardware and software that was originally developed for military use, specifically data compression algorithms and large-capacity storage devices. Hmm. His next-door neighbor was a retired engineer who had worked on the Sidewinder missile program. This neighbor brought Baxter a subscription to Aviation Week, provoking his interest in additional military-oriented publications and missile defense systems. He became self-taught in this area and wrote a five-page paper that proposed converting the ship-based anti-aircraft Aegis missile into a rudimentary missile defense system. He gave the paper to California Republican Dana Rohrbacher, and his career as a defense consultant began. Backed by several influential Capitol Hill lawmakers, Baxter received a series of security clearances so he could work with classified information. In 1995, Pennsylvania Republican Congressman Kurt Weldon, then the chair of the House Military Research and Development Subcommittee, nominated Baxter to chair the Civilian Advisory Board for Ballistic Missile Defense. Well, immediately right. when you when you brought that up, what you what you just read about him being in software, I think we talked about this before, but uh, I had to look this guy up again. Philip Taylor Kramer. The basis for Iron Butterfly. He, oh yeah, yeah, him too. Yeah, he was in development of like software compression, and he came up with some algorithm for software compression. And then the dude like, uh, well, this article is the mysterious death of Iron Butterfly bassist Philip Taylor Kramer. Uh, the remains of Philip Taylor Kramer was found a one-time basis for Iron Buffalo had been missing for four years, and to this day nobody knows exactly what happened to him. Uh, he had a degree in aerospace engineering and a stint working for the U.S. Department of Defense in the 90s. Creator created a Total Multimedia Inc., a high-tech multimedia company that did pioneering work in video compression technology. Ultimately, his brief stint in Iron Buffalo was a mere footnote to his much more involved life's work. How about this? Jeff Skunk Baxter's work with the Civilian Advisory Board for Ballistic Missile Defense <laughs> led to consulting contracts with the Pentagon's Missile Defense Agency and National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. He now consults to the U.S. Department of Defense and the U.S. intelligence community, as well as for defense-oriented manufacturers, including SAIC, Northrop Grumman, General General Dynamics and General Atomics Aeronautical Systems. Hmm. Interesting. <clears throat> I was listening to some. Uh, it was a while back. I can't recollect all the particulars about it, but they were going into this Philip uh, Taylor Kramer guy, and he was saying that uh, he had developed some kind of breakthrough in compression and it was like uh, some kind of a big deal that's what he was saying but uh, uh they're trying to put together some kind of idea like why oh, was he killed for it or something like that or somebody uh, yeah so it's 
it's just a, one of those stories, but interesting parallel. Interesting. So we got Bradley Cooper, Philip Kramer, and um, how about Seth Rogen? You know who Seth Rogen is? I've heard of him. He's an actor. He's in a lot of those Judd Apatow movies. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm fairly familiar with him. Seth Rogen was born in Vancouver. His mother, Sandy, is a social worker, and his father, Mark, worked for nonprofit organizations as an assistant director of the Workman's Circle, a Jewish fraternal organization. Since Rogen's father, he has... Hello? I'm here. Check one, two. He has American, he has American citizen by birth. He has described his parents who met in a kibbutzi, Bet Alpha in Israel, as radical Jewish socialists. Hmm. Rogan has an older son. Rogan attended Vancouver Talmud Torah, Torah Elementary and Point Grey Secondary School. Um, as a child, he did not want to pursue any other career than comedy. Um, but yeah, isn't that strange? That's a bizarre thing to come from. He comes from a kibbutzi, radical Jewish socialist family. Kibbutzi, I haven't heard assistant. of that one before. You, know what, you don't know what kibbutzis are? Uh, no, that's new to me. Pretty sure kibbutzis. No, kibbutzi, it's uh, K-B-B-U-T-Z, and the kibbutzis were the um, were like the Jew- Jewish communists in Israel. They ah. had those kibbutzi, kibbutzi uh, cities okay. in the 60s. <laughs> no, I don't know if there's I've heard book. about that. No, there, there's a book all about it. Um, it's called Children of the Dream. You can look look that up, and it's all about the radical kibbutzi uh, living situation they had set up in Israel in like the sixties. So the family is all up in that. Yeah, and his dad's the director of the. Uh, of the uh, Workman's Circle, which that just has a communist name right there. Sounds like it. It's a commune. Let's see. Now you know who James Franco is, right? He's he's buddies with Seth Rogen. James Franco. Heard of him. <clears throat> he was born in... Palo Alto. His mother, Betsy Lou, is a writer and occasional actress, and his father, Douglas, ran a Silicon Valley business. Okay. The two met as students at Stanford University. Franco's father was Portuguese and Swedish, and Franco's mother is Jewish. Jewish. Hmm. Paternal grandmother, Marjorie Franco, is a published author of young adult books. Franco's maternal grandmother, Mitzi, owned the prominent art gallery in Cleveland and was an active member of the National Jewish Council of Women. Okay. 
Franco's family upbringing was academic, liberal, and largely secular. He grew up in California with his two brothers, Tom and Dave. A math whiz, Franco interned at Lockheed Martin. He was often encouraged by his father to get good grades and, and do well. He graduated from Palo Alto High School to attending CSSSSA and so on and so forth. Um, says he got into some trouble. Then he grad he enrolled at UCLA as an English major. Um, da, 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 da. Says he went back to UCLA, but yeah, he interned at Lockheed Martin. Uh, he moved to New York City, graduated from Columbia and eventually the Tisch School of Arts. Remember that place? Yes. Tisch School of he's Arts. Also, he's also a Ph.D. student at Yale University. Also attending the Rhode Island School of Design. So he's got a lot of uh, academia here, but yes, he comes from Silicon Valley, of okay. all places. Casper Van Dien, you know who he is? No, I don't think I've heard of him. <clears throat> he was the lead in Starship Troopers. <laughs> nice. And he was also on Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, wow. That's quite the resume. No. Yes, it is. But, he, I mean... He grew up in Milton, Florida. He was the son of Diane, a nursery school teacher, and Casper Robert Van Dien, a U.S. Navy commander and fighter pilot. There is a long military tradition in Van Dien's family, aside from his father. His grandfather was a Marine during World War II. Van Dien is descended from an old Dutch family long settled in the New York area, and his other heritage includes Swedish, French, English, and Native American. The street on which Van Dien grew up in Ridgewood, New Jersey, Van Dien Avenue, is named after his great-great-grandfather. When Van Dien was older, his family moved to Florida, where he enrolled at St. Petersburg's campus of the Admiral Farga Academy. Graduating third in command, while in Florida prep school, Van Dien was also often referred to as the Kendall. Oh, okay. I've heard. Sounds familiar. Okay. I don't. <laughs> now this is interesting. Van Dien was married to Carrie Mitchum, granddaughter of Robert Mitchum. Okay. From 1993 to 1997, they have two children. Then he met actress Catherine Ox. Who is seven years his senior during the f- 1999 filming of the movie The Collectors? Okay. Uh huh. Now, who is Catherine? Now, who is Catherine Oxenberg? She's best known for her performance as Amanda Carrington on the 1980s primetime soap Dynasty. She's the daughter of Princess Elizabeth of Yugoslavia. <laughs> Although a descendant of the Serbian House of Karad- 
Jorvik. She's not a noble royal herself. She's om- since only male line descendants of royal persons are royal. She has dual citizenship of America and Serbia. She was born in New York City but grew up in London. She's the She's the eldest daughter of Princess Elizabeth and her first husband, Howard Oxenberg, a Jewish dress manufacturer who is a close friend of the Kennedy family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elizabeth is the first cousin once removed of the Duke of Kent and also a second cousin of Queen Sophia of Spain, Charles, Prince of Wales, making her the third cousin of Philippe the Sixth of Spain and Prince William, Duke of Cambridge. So here's the thing. Basically, Casper Van Dien is American royalty, and he married a Yugoslavian royal, and they were both American actors. Hmm. Seems to happen fairly frequently. <laughs> <laughs> about that there's an actor today who's quite famous and his name is Benedict Cumberbatch you know who he is no don't well Benedict Cumberbatch was born July 19th, 1976, to actors Timothy Carlton and Wanda Ventham. His grandfather, Henry Carlton Cumberbatch, was a submarine officer of both world wars and a prominent figure of London high society. His great-grandfather, Henry Arnold Cumberbatch, was Queen Victoria's consul general in Turkey and Lebanon. Cumberbatch attended boarding schools from the age of eight. He was he was educated at Bramblett School in West Sussex and at the Harrow School. He was a member of the Radigan Society, Harrow's principal club for the dramatic arts. Um, after leaving Harrow, he took a gap year to volunteer as an English teacher in a Tibetan monastery in India. He then went to KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa in 2005, and two friends and himself were abducted and held overnight at gunpoint by a group of locals. Eventually, their abductors drove them into unsettled territory and set them free without explanation. Thunderbatch said of the incident, it taught me that you come into this world as you leave it on your own. It's made me want to live a life less ordinary. He subscribes to a Buddhist philosophy and has expressed affinity for meditation and mindfulness. Hmm. He is married to theater and opera director Sophie Hunter. He is an ambassador for the Prince's Trust. He is a supporter of patron organizations focused on using arts to help disadvantaged people. Um, since portraying Stephen Hawking in 2004. He has been an ambassador uh, in 2015 for the Motor Neuron Disease Association. 
and did the ice bucket challenge for the organization. He's also set up a recovery fund for the Amotrophic Lateral Sclerosis Association. And he has fund charities and fundraisers for the Willow Foundation and Thomas Coram Foundation for children. This guy's involved with like a lot of uh, charities and all this type of stuff. Um, he addressed the activists in 2010 protests sponsored by the Trade Union Congress. He protested against what he perceived were civil liberties violations by the UK government. Together with Prince Philip, Cumberbatch presented 85 young people with the Duke of Edinburgh's award at St. James Palace on March 19, 2014. He joined Prince William and Ralph Lauren at Windsor Castle for a cancer awareness and fundraising gala for the benefit of the Royal Marston NHS Foundation Trust. Um, he identifies as a feminist and is a straight ally for same-sex marriage. Um, now here's the interesting thing. Remember what I said about his grandfather. His wife is Sophie Hunter. Her maternal grandfather is General Sir Michael James Gow, GCB, who worked with Prince Henry, Duke of Gloucester, in the 1950s and was aide-de-camp general to the Queen from 81 to 84. Hunter's maternal great-great-grandfather was World War I politician J.E.B. Seeley, 1st Baron Modestone. She attended St. Paul's Girls' School in Hammersmith before studying, studying modern languages with a concentration in French, Italian, at Oxford University. After graduating from Oxford, she resided in Paris to study avant-garde theater for two years. Anyways, basically, both of these people, on both sides of their family, both their grandfathers were like these World War II generals who had direct connect or you know ambassadors that had direct connection to the royal house hmm. and they just happened to marry each other and then he's all up in the foundation slash uh, charity business and it's interesting here I, I wanted to mention this one because it says he was presenting something with um uh, with, who was it? With Prince William and Ralph Lauren. Do you know who Ralph Lauren's son is married to? Uh, no. <clears throat> He's married to... He, Ralph Lauren's son is married to Sophia Bush. Or, I'm sorry, Lauren Bush. Lauren Bush. Okay. Lauren Bush is the daughter of Neil Bush. Mm. who is the brother of George W. Bush. Oh, so he's married. Oh, so the Lawrence and the Bushes are related to marriage. Yes. I heard that. Okay. 
Yes. Yeah. Oh, real quick, who was the Doobie Brothers guy earlier you mentioned? I forgot to write him down. Jeff Skunk Baxter. Jeff Skunk Bas- <clears throat> Baxter, okay. Chevy Chase. Okay. Chevy Chase was born in Lower Manhattan, New York. He was raised in Woodstock, New York. Mm. That's a very interesting place, Woodstock. Yeah. I've been there. His father... Yeah, so there's a lot of other people, including Aleister Crowley. Oh, really? Yeah, the AT runs through there, or near there. His father, Edward Tinsley Chase, was a prominent Manhattan book editor and magazine writer. His mother, Kathleen Parker, a concert pianist and librettist, was the daughter of Admiral Miles Browning, who served a critical war in the Battle of Midway in World War II. She was adopted as a child by her stepfather, Cornelius Vanderbilt Crane, heir to the Crane Company, and took the name Kathleen Crane. Chase's paternal grandfather was artist-illustrator Edward Lee Chase, and his great-uncle was painter-teacher Frank Swift Chase. Maternal grandmother Kathleen was an opera singer who performed several times at Carnegie Hall. Chase was named for his adoptive grandfather Cornelius, while the nickname Chevy was bestowed by his grandmother, derived from the medieval English ballad of the Chevy Chase. As a descendant descend of the Scottish clan Douglas, the name seemed appropriate to her. Chase is a 14th generation New Yorker and was listed in the social register at an early age. His mother's ancestors arrived in Manhattan starting in 1624. Among his ancestors are New York City mayors Stephanus Van Cortland and John Johnstone, the Schuler family. This means that Chevy Chase is related to David Crosby. Ha. Huh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Through his, and he's also related to Anderson Cooper. <laughs> really? Through his ancestor Gertrude Schuler, the wife of Stephanus Van Cortland, John Moran Scott, general of the New York militia during the American Revolution, and Hus- Hutchinson, dissident Puritan preacher and healer, and Mayflower passion- passengers and signers of the Mayflower Compact. John Howland and the Pilgrim Colonist Leader and Spiritual Elder of the Plymouth Colony, William Brewster. According to his brother John, Chevy once told me that people who define themselves in terms of their ancestry were like potatoes. The best parts of them were underground. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> So, um, yeah. Wait a minute, I need to catch this one. Uh, as a child, Chase vacationed to Castle Hill, his crane summer estate in Ipswich, Massachusetts. Chase's parents divorced when he was four. His father remarried into the Folgers Coffrey family. Did, did, you, did you cover that one? So he's, he's related by marriage to uh, 
Folgers, and then uh, what's what's the president uh, guy who ran for president? John John uh, John Kerry, <clears throat> Skull and Bones guy. Right. Also, Abigail Folger allegedly died in the Manson killings. Right. Yes. <laughs> and you want to know something else really funny? Okay. Chevy Chase was, was the first drummer for Steely Dan. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. He's a drummer? I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently, apparently he's pretty good, too. Joseph Jack, Jack Joseph Valenti. You ever heard of Valenti? Uh, Jack Valenti. Yeah, he's the he's like the guy for um, uh, what did he work for? ABC or? Uh, well, let's read about. It. All right, let's, yeah. Let's read. revisit him. We talked about him before a while back. <clears throat> now, now we're going to talk about him because of the fact that we're dealing with actors. Jack Valenti was longtime president of the Motion Picture Association of America. Mm. During his 30 tenure in the MPAA, he created the MPAA film rating system and was generally regarded as one of the most influential pro-copyright lobbyists in the world. He was born in Houston, Texas, son of Italian immigrants during World War II. He was the first lieutenant in the U.S. Army Air Force. He flew 51 combat missions as the pilot commander of a B-25 medium bomber and received four decorations, including the Distinguished Flying Cross and the Air Medal. Um, after earning an MBA from Harvard in '48, he went to work for Humble Oil in its advertising department where he helped the company's gas stations jump from fifth to first in sales through a cleanest restroom campaign. In 52, he and a partner named Weldon Weekly founded Weekly and Valenti, an advertising agency with oil company Tomoko as its first client. In 56, he met Senate Majority Leader Lenin Gaines Johnson, Weekly and Valenti branched out into political consulting and added Albert Thomas and Johnson Ally as a client. In 60, Valenti's firm assisted in the Kennedy Johnson presidential campaign. Valenti served as liaison with the news media during the November 22, 1963 visit of Kennedy and Vice President Johnson to Dallas, Texas. And Valenti was in the presidential motorcade following the assassination of President Kennedy. Valenti was present in the famous photograph of Lyndon Johnson swearing in aboard Air Force One and flew with the new president to Washington. He then became the first special assistant to Johnson's White House and lived in the White House for the first two months of the Johnson presidency. In 64, he gave, Johnson gave Valenti the responsibility to handle relations with the Republican congressional leadership, particularly Gerald Ford and Charles Halleck from the House of Representatives and the Senate's Everett Dirksen. 
Valenti, a man who has kept the cowboy boot-licking faith longer than anyone but Lady Bird and Billy Moyers, would have spun LBJ dropping the hydrogen bomb as an urban renewal project, says the American Spectator. Valenti later called Johnson the most single-dominating human being that I've ever been in contact with and the single most intelligent man I've ever known. In a speech before the American Advertising Federation in 65, Valente said, I sleep each night a little better, a little more confidently because Johnson is my president. <laughs> um, in 1966, at uh, the insistence of Universal Studio Chief Lee Wasserman, and with Johnson's consent, he resigned his White House commission and became the president of the Motion Picture Association of America. With Valenti's arrival in Hollywood, the pair were lifelong allies and together orchestrated and controlled how Hollywood would conduct business for the next several decades. William Patrick, a copyright attorney for the Clinton administration who observed Valenti at first hand, said, his personal passion and extreme comfort around politicians gave him credibility that others would lack. Mr. Valenti was a consummate salesman who, liked all, who like all great salesmen, worked himself up into believing the truth of his client's message. I was privileged to see Mr. Valenti offstage talking openly with his clients about what could or could not be achieved, what artifice would or would not work, aware that Mr. Valenti's clients frequently disagreed with his advice and directed him to deliver a different message through a different artifice. He was a great actor working on the stage of Washington, D.C., and sometimes the globe on behalf of an industry that appreciated his craft but that never let him forget that the message was theirs and not his. In 68, he created the film rating system, and it just goes on from there, uh, that basically because of films, the films Midnight Cowboy and Clockwork Orange, they had to bring in uh, X rating. Yeah, it's interesting that he's there on the Air Force One with, uh, you know, the... the uh, swearing in Johnson so he's all up in the Hollywood and film industry and, and some of the other there. characters that were there yeah see Charles Andy's, Douglas Andy's Johnson a, she's a, Andy's an advertising public relations guy too right so yeah one of the guys it keeps popping up in a lot of different things <clears throat> yeah, he lobbied in 1990 this is the other thing he, in 1990 Valenti lobbied for the Digital Millennium Copyright Act arguing that copyright infringement via the internet would severely damage the record and movie industries um that's pretty that's that's pretty much it so you remember you had Congress now Albert Thomas which is like he's connected to NASA through the university system uh, I forget precisely how but yeah he's got 
ties to NASA, so you have a NASA guy there and a motion picture heavy hitter there. Got the swearing in. Mm Mm-hmm. Bill Moyers on scene. And then the... And what, what was that other guy that had the first head of NASA was part of the movie industry? Right. Uh, I could find that real quick. And Albert Thomas, wasn't he responsible for, like, getting the funding for NASA to pass Congress and all that? Like, that's pretty much what his name deal was. The first NASA administrator was T... Keith Glennon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was a studio manager for Paramount Pictures and Samuel Golden Studios. Before he became the first NASA administrator. Let's see. <clears throat> While you're doing that, I was looking into... Uh, some of the, some of these characters, like a past uh, advocates of this flat Earth thing. This guy, mm-hmm. uh, Samuel Burley Roth, Robotham. Samuel Burley Robotham. Uh, yeah, he's a sir, so he's knighted. So he wrote this book, Zetetic, Zetetic Astronomy, Earth Not a Globe, under the pseudonym Parallax. Yeah, this is a. Yeah, so you get these interesting characters that are part of this. Uh, That one article you sent me about the. um, Oh, when they ran this against the. uh, to discredit Christians and make the association with that and Flat Earth, and there really wasn't any kind of. any large body of people that believed in it but then there was that myth created that that was uh, around the time of Columbus and it was in that book uh, yeah mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah I don't I don't remember the name of the book but yeah yeah I have it here it's uh oh how and why the flat earth myth got started legend entered history when Washington Irving published a three-volume history of life and the voyages of Christopher Columbus in 1828. Irving, best known for his Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and Rip Van Winkle used the fiction writing skills to fabricate a supposed confrontation that Columbus had with churchmen who maintained that the Bible had taught the earth was flat. No such encounter ever took place. Now, okay, so do you know who... um Do you know who the actress Julia Louis-Dreyfus is? She was on Seinfeld. She played Elaine. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, so she is a scion of the um, of the Dreyfus banking family. Ah. And she has a cousin named Robert Louis Dreyfus, and he was born in Paris, the son of Jean and Jean Madeleine Louis Dreyfus. His father was Jewish and his mother Roman Catholic. 
He was a great-grandson of Leopold Louis Dreyfus, founder of the Louis Dreyfus Group, which had begun buying and selling wheat in the Alsace region a century earlier and rapidly diversified into shipping oil and other commodities. His grandfather was Louis, Louis Dreyfus, who served in the French Parliament during the French Third Republic. He has two sisters, Marie-Jean and Monique. Robert Louis Dreyfus was initially a bad student who failed his baccalaureate, but he excelled at poker, winning considerable amounts of money from his friends at the Lycée Janssen de Sely in Paris. My, my French is bad. Um, in 67, he spent time at a kibbutzi and was involved in the Six-Day War. He later secured a place at Harvard at Harvard Business School with a presentation about his experiences during the war. It's been his early years of working life mentored by Sigmund Warburg hmm. in the family business of the Louis Dreyfus Group. In 82, the Louis Dreyfus Group joined IMS, the U.S. pharmaceutical research company, enjoying spectacular monetary success, his original $400,000 grew 20-fold. By the time the company was sold in 88, he served as as CE at Saatchi and Saatchi, the United Kingdom-based advertising agency from 1989 to 83. Now let me stop. Who's Saatchi and Saatchi? Charles Saatchi is one of the biggest art collectors in the entire world. He's most famous for, for buying and, per, and backing the works of Damien Hirst. Damien Hirst, okay. okay. <clears throat> Damien Hirst, remember I sent you that picture of that, um, that giant pregnant skeleton off the coast of England? Right, that was grotesque. Yeah, Damien Hirst. Damien Hirst is also famous for the um, dead cow with maggots on it, and then the cadavers in formaldehyde. Yeah, and he sticks like animals and just big tanks of formaldehyde. Sticks it in the in the art museum, art exhibit. Right. Then they had to uh, come and have the the health the health board had to shut the museum down because it was just rotting. Oh yeah, it's like a dead cow laying in the middle of the floor. Like with his gut spilled out. It's art, everybody. Yeah, yeah it started putrefying. Yeah, hold on a second. When art goes bad. <clears throat> okay. Um, so, Louis Dreyfus, like I said, he served at SC at Sachi and Sachi. He invested his own money in Saatchi and Saatchi, and during his tenure, the agency grew considerably. All right, so you've got a Warburg-connected, Rothschild-connected banking establishment involved in an advertising agency that's promoting um, nihilistic art. And you know who else Charles Saatchi is married to? Nigella Lawson, the celebrity chef. Hmm. Okay. 
whose father was the head of the Exchequer in England. Ah. And whose mother is the heir to the Lions Food Company. Mm, okay. All right. He proved equally successful in 1994. He took the top job at Adidas, the German-based sporting goods maker. Uh, Louis Dreyfus added to the brand by streamlining the product and to the group, including the Solomon's the Solomon Skiwear and Golf Company in 1997. He remained CEO of Adidas until 2001. Combining this position with chairmanship of Newf Telecom, who he served until 2004 as director of Newf Segatel, uh, he rejoined the company, the family company, the Dreyfus Group, and restructured major commodities. Um, and in '96, he became the largest shareholder of Olympique de Marseille, a French group rocked by a match-fixing scandal and relegated to the French Second Division. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hello? Yes. Okay. Um, with Adidas and the telecommunications company, New sponsored the team. Dreyfus invested heavily in rebuilding the Marseille squad, marketing the team to the new immigrant populations in Marseille. The financial fortunes of the club improved with shirt sales. Uh, if judged purely on trophies, one eluded the club despite reaching the final of the UFA Cup on two occasions and twice losing in the Coupe de France. He was also a shareholder in the Belgian football club Standard Liege and was involved in the creation of In Front Sports and Media in 2002. Um, the Swiss-based sports marketing agency Kurt Sport was handling the media rights dis- uh, distribution of the FIFA World Cup in 2002 and the marketing partner of 130 sports federation and club. In October 2015, the German news magazine Der Spiegel reported that the bidding committee for the FIFA World Cup 2006 had set up a slush fund that Louis Dreyfus, at the time CEO of Adidas, filled with 10.3 million Swiss francs in 2000, in the year 2000. Allegedly, these funds were used to bribe FIFA officials and secure Germany's bid to host the 2006 World Cup, while a FIFA report had strongly criticized England's unprofessional bid presentation. According to the internal FIFA documents, Louis Dreyfus demanded a repayment of the funds in 2004, which were transferred as 6.7 million pounds via a FIFA account in Geneva to an account held by Louis Dreyfus. Louis Dreyfus died in Zurich, Switzerland on July 4, 2009, following a long period battle with leukemia. Louis Dreyfus was married twice after divorcing his first wife, Sarah Oberholzer. In, in 89, he met his wife, Margarita 
Bogdanova, he married in 92, and who he has three sons, Eric, Maurice, and Krill. Louis Dreyfus identified as agnostic. Actress Julia Louise Dreyfus is his cousin. The enterprises are inherited and supervised by Margarita Louis Dreyfus. She's considered to be the richest Russian woman in the world. She has a net worth of $9.5 billion. She's a Swiss citizen living in Zurich with her three sons. Her partner is Philippe Hildebrand, the former head of the Swiss Central Bank. That's some pretty fairly heavy-duty connections there. Yeah. So, so you remember you remember all that scandal with the 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 soccer, the FIFA scandal, the FIFA scandal. Yeah, I recall hearing something about that. Uh, yeah, so that was related like rigging. to this guy. Yeah, that was related to this Dreyfus character. Only the guy died in 2009, but in 2015 they linked it to this allegedly dead banker who yeah. just happened to be the cousin of Julia Louis Dreyfus, the actress. Who, <laughs> interestingly enough, she's she's now more famous for her role in a in a in a show called Veep, mm-hmm. where you know, where she played a woman president. Yeah, like vice president. <clears throat> yeah, and it was it was part of like a, you know, propagandistic type thing to try to push the idea of basically trying to push the idea of Hillary Clinton being president. Right. Uh-huh. Which there, there was a multitude of those shows prior to the election and all that stuff, so... Very interesting. Let's see here. There's an actor by the name of Peter Sarsgaard. Okay. Okay. And Peter Sarsgaard, I don't know what he's been in more recently. The only two films that I can think of that he's been in is he was in that movie Shattered Glass, that one about that that Stephen Glass, the guy who wrote all those fake articles for, uh, what was it, New Republic or something? I think that sounds right, yeah. Yeah, you 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 remember that scandal, right? Yeah, we talked about that before. They had a movie okay. about it, and it was pretty interesting, the kind of stuff that was in there. Yeah, so anyways, that Peter Sarsgaard guy plays the editor of the New Republic in that movie. And then I also remember he's in the movie with Val Kilmer called The Salt and Sea about meth heads in Hollywood. Um um, Sarsgaard was born at Scott Air Force Base, Illinois, the son of Judy Lee and John Dale Sarsgaard. His father was an Air Force engineer and later worked for Monsanto and IBM. His surname originates in Denmark, where two of his paternal great-great-grandparents were born. Sarsgaard was raised Roman Catholic and served as an altar boy. His family moved more than 12 times during his childhood following his father's job. At the age of seven, Sarsgaard originally wanted to become a soccer player, oh, soccer again, and took up ballet to help improve his coordination. Sarsgaard attended Fairfield College Preparatory School. 
a private Jesuit institution in Connecticut. Okay. This is where he became interested in movies. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. Yeah. Uh, following his graduation from Fairfield, he attended Bard in New York for two years before transferring to Washington University, where he co-founded an improvisational comedy troupe. Um, in 1993, he graduated with a degree in history and moved to New York. Okay, so kind of interesting. Now, this is going to connect here. There's an actress, and her name is Maggie Gyllenhaal. She's the sister of Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. And Maggie Gyllenhaal was born in New York City, the daughter of Naomi Gyllenhaal and Stephen Gyllenhaal. Her father is a film director and writer, and her mother is a screenwriter. She has one sibling, Jake, who is an actor. Her father was raised in the Swedenborgian religion, is of Swedish and English ancestry, and is a member of the Gyllenhaal family. Her last native Swedish ancestor was her great-great-grandfather, Anders Leonard Gyllenhaal, a descendant of Leonard Gyllenhaal, a leading Swedenborgian who supported the printing and spreading of Swedenborg's writings. That's Emanuel Swedenborg, by the way. Okay. Her mother was born in New York City and is from a Jewish family which immigrated from Russia and Poland. Her mother's first husband was Eric Fulmer, a noted historian and history professor at Columbia University. Joan Hall stated that she grew up mostly Jewish culturally, though she did not attend Hebrew school. Her parents married in 77 and filed for divorce in 2008. Um, she grew up in Los Angeles and studied at Harvard Westlake Prep. In 1995, she graduated from Harvard Westlake and moved to New York and attended Columbia University, where she studied literature and Eastern religions. She is politically active at the 18th Independent Spirit Awards. She spoke out against the Iraq War, stating the reason for the invasion was oil and imperialism. In 2005, she drew controversy for her statement that September 11th attacks were an occasion to be brave enough to ask some serious questions about America's role in the world. It is always useful as individuals or nations to ask how we may have knowingly or unknowingly contributed to the conflict. Uh, she took part in Artists to Win, Artists United to Win Without War, a campaign started by Robert Greenwald, with the aim of advancing progressive causes, voicing opposition to the Iraq War. She and her brother Jake filmed the commercial for Rock and Vote, and visited the U USC campus to encourage students to vote in the 2004 election, in which she supported John Kerry. She supported Obama in 2008. She campaigned on behalf of the ACLU in 2013. Uh, she and numerous other celebrities appeared in a video showing support for Chelsea Manning, for Bradley Manning. Um, she's involved in all sorts of uh, charities and foundations. Now, she is married to Peter Sarsgaard. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. So, 
this is very interesting. Okay, so remember Peter Sarsgaard, you know, his dad worked for IBM and Monsanto, and he's basically of, like, like uh, his paternal great-grandparents were from, you know, Dutch ancestry that was high up there. And he married a woman who bears the name Jillen Hall. Jillen Hall is not a um, common name. It's a very exclusive name. It's very interesting. Jillen Hall is the surname of a Swedish noble. Descended, it's basically only a name for Swedish nobles. <laughs> it's descended from Calvary Lieutenant Niles Gunnarsson Hall, who died in 1680 or 1681, ennobled in 1652 with a change of surname to Gillen Hall. The name Gillen Hall originated from Niels Gun- Gunnarsson Gillen Hall's father, Gunn Olsen Hall, who was from Hallgarden, a crown homestead in South Harn Parish in the country of Vastra Gotland, West Sweden. Hall comes from the name of the farm estate, Hallgarden. In the knighthood letter signed by Queen Christina, the family was, the family was written in two different ways, first Gillen Hall, then Gillen Hall, um, one with an H, one with the out, out the H on the copper plate with his coat of arms now hanging in the house of nobility in Stockholm, it is spelled with an H. Hmm. Such ambiguity would be several generations before Swedish spelling was more strictly regulated. The prefix Jillen means golden, which was one of the most used when ennobling someone since the 16th century. Actor Jake Gyllenhaal and Maggie Gyllenhaal great-grandson and granddaughter of the above-mentioned Anders Leonard Gyllenhaal quipped during an interview prior to the British premiere of his movie Prince of Persia that his last name was pronounced Yilin Hulahe. Okay. Okay. And... The members of the older branch descending from Lars Gyllenhaal are still living in Sweden. The most notable member of the branch is the Minister for Justice, Lars Hermann Gyllenhaal. In 1851, he was created Knight Commander of the Royal Order of the Seraphim. His great-great-grandson, Hermann Gyllenhaal, is now the baron of the family, and his son, Lars Gyllenhaal, is the head of both branches of the noble family. All the members of the family in the United States are directed are dis- directly descended from Hans Gyllenhaal and come from his great-great-great-grandson, Anders, and his wife, Amanda. Anders Gyllenhaal immigrated to the United States in 1865. Hithro, most member memorable of this younger branch was Leonard Gyllenhaal. In 1807, he was created a Knight of the Royal Order of Vasa for his scientific work as an entomologist, including his monograph of the Swedish insects, Insecta Susia Descripta. Some notable members of the Gyllenhaal family are Johan, geologist and mineralogist, Leonard, 
officer and gentleman farmer known as an etymologist and a leading Swedenborgian. His best known work was his monograph, which I just said. Carl Gyllenhaal, a military officer who participated in the Finnish War of 1809 and was later governor of Bleakinge County and Scarborough County, and finally director general of Swedish Customs. Lars Gyllenhaal, Swedish Prime Minister for Justice, created a baron in 1843. Beatrix Gyllenhaal, a singer-composer and socialite, married in her third marriage to Calvary Lieutenant Baron Carl Alexander. She was first married to the stable master of Napoleon's sister. <laughs> <laughs> Anders Gyllenhaal, Anders grandson of Leonard, editor-in-chief of the Swedish-American newspaper Sven, Sven, Svenska American... It's basically the American, the Swedish-American Tribune. That's what it says in Swedish. Um, ancestor of the American branch. Stephen Gyllenhaal, director and great-grandson of Anders, was married to producer-screenwriter Naomi... They bore Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal, the actors that we know today that are so famous. Hmm. And how about this? They have a cousin. Okay. Okay. Their cousin is Anders Gyllenhaal, Washington editor and vice president of the McClatchy Company and former executive editor of the Miami Herald. Ah. Wow. <clears throat> now I know that I know that was a lot of information, but the reason I brought it up was here's two famous actors. Once again, like in our last segment we talked about how Brooke Shields was like you know some branch of royalty of, of royalty these actors are Swedish royalty and literally descended straight from Swedish royalty. Just direct, yeah, direct right-in-line descendants. And then they're all tied up in with Emanuel Swedenborg. Right? With the Swedenborg cult religion. Which, that's bizarre in and of itself. Now, this is going to be my uh, last one here, but um, this, is, this is really interesting. This is not going to be a guy, not going to be a man, it's going to be a woman. Okay. But she's of notable mention because she's connected to some very famous men, and actually, uh, her last name, if you go into it, when, when you start looking into the history of like the Federal Reserve Act and that type of stuff, one of the things that pops up is something called the Vreeland Act. Yeah. And Vreeland was a Rockefeller... Um, was a Rockefeller... Sent, the, it was called the Aldrich Vreeland Act, which the Aldrich family is a... are Rockefellers. That's why it's uh, Nelson Aldrich Rockefeller. Right? Okay. And so, if I'm remembering correctly, the Vreeland Act, there was a panic. Uh, it's famous pr 
pre um so the Aldrich Vreeland Act was passed in response to the panic of nineteen oh seven and established the National Monetary Commission, which recommended the Federal Reserve Act of nineteen thirteen. Okay. Yeah. Senator Nelson Aldrich was largely responsible for the Aldrich Vreeland currency law. The co-sponsor of the legislation was Edward Vreeland, a Republican from New York. Okay. And basically, uh, Vreeland was a Rockefeller stooge meant to go into uh, get the Federal Reserve Act passed. Okay. And here's the thing. Same family. Diana Vreeland lived from September 29, 1903 to August 22, 1989. She was a noted columnist and editor in the field of fashion. She worked for the fashion magazines Harper's Bazaar and Vogue and as a special consultant at the Costume Institute of the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Of course, that's Rockefeller owned. She was named to the International Best Dressed List Hall of Fame in 1964. She was born Diane Galziel in Paris, France at, at 5 Avenue du Bois du Boulogne. Um, she was the eldest daughter of American socialite mother Emily Key Hoffman and British stockbroker Father Frederick Young Dalziel. Hoffman was a descendant of George Washington's brother. Okay. As well <laughs> as a cousin of Francis Scott Key. <laughs> she is also the cousin of writer and socialite Pauline de Rothschild. Ah. Vreeland had one sister, Alexandra, who later married Sir Alexander Davenport Clinock, 12th Baronet. Their daughter, Emily Lucy Clinock, married Lieutenant Colonel Honorary Hugh Waldorf Astor, the second son of John Jacob Astor, 1st Baron Astor of Hever, and Violet Astor, Baroness of Astor Hever. So you go back to the Vanderbilt Astor, uh, Anderson Cooper... Now he's he's connected to the Astros too, right? Yeah, which interestingly enough, what was um, Anderson Cooper's mom's famous for? Fashion, Anderson, fashion, yeah. Gloria Vanderbilt. Gloria Vanderbilt. New York, New York, so, New York socialite. Vreeland's family immigrated to the United States at the outbreak of World War One and moved to 15 East 77th Street in New York, where they became prominent figures in society. She was sent to dancing school and was a pupil of Michel Fouquin and the only imperial ballet master ever to leave Russia, and later of Louis Harvey Shalif. Vreeland performed in Anna Pavlova's Gavot at Carnegie Hall. She was featured in her feature employer Vogue in a roundup of socialites in their cars. The story read, such motors as these accelerate the social world. 
Miss Diana Dalziel, one of the most attractive debutantes in the winter, showing her entire cat, showing entering her Cadillac. Okay. On March 1st, 24th, she, 1924, she married Thomas Vreeland, a banker and international financier at St. Thomas's Church in New York, with whom she would have two sons. Um, Thomas Reed Vreeland Jr., born 1925, or 25, who became an architect as well as a professor of architecture at University of New Mexico, then UCLA, and Frederick Vreeland, later ambassador to Morocco, U.S. ambassador to Morocco. A week before her wedding, the New York Times reported that her mother had been named co-respondent in the divorce proceedings of Sir Charles Ross through his second wife, Patricia, the ensuing society scandal estranged Vreeland and her mother uh, to Nantucket in Massachusetts. Um, so it goes on and on here. Uh, she was one of 15 women presented to King George V and Queen Mary at Buckingham Palace, May 18, 1933. In five, her husband's job brought them back to New York, where they lived for the remainder of their lives. Um, she went to work for Harper's Bazaar in 1936. And oh, gee... Gloria Vanderbilt. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, and there is a documentary about her that was done in 2012 called "The Eye Has to Travel," which debuted September 2012. And basically, she was a um, culture creator, and that's why I wanted to bring her up. She's also related to Thomas Jefferson. Okay, give me that name one more time. And you you know how she's related to Thomas Jefferson? Uh-uh. Through Pauline de Rothschild. Oh, nice. So, the Founding Fathers were fighting the bankers, only the Founding Fathers were related to the bankers. Yeah, it was like a family feud. <laughs> <laughs> like Hatfields and McCoys. Yeah, that's yeah. Gosh, I'm reading Di- Diana Vreeland. Diana Vreeland. Well, Gloria Vanderbilt dated Frank Sinatra and Anderson Amongst Cooper. Other kinda, people. Yeah, Anderson Cooper kind of looks like Frank Sinatra, so I wonder. Oh, if you go and look at Anderson Cooper's dad, he's uh, he looks like him. Oh, Anderson Cooper's dad looks like him too. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Frank. I don't think Frank would. I don't think Frank would take too kindly to Super Cooper. Probably not. Yeah, he's um. Yeah, Gloria Glory Vanderbilt was kind of one of those. Um, she was ba- she was basically out there to you know she was a trendsetter. Or she was a socialite. She dated a lot of guys, 
and she was always seen about town with a lot of different mothers. It was kind of the... She started pretty young at an early age, too, so that was kind of her thing was... I think I think you came into a time period after the 1920s where, where the kind of upper crust elite started making themselves more... Um, available to the public mm -hmm. and like I said like Gloria Vanderbilt was always cavorting around with actors which now we know that there was no problem with that because apparently a lot of these actors are of blood relations that would correlate with someone like Gloria Vanderbilt yeah kind of kind of handy I mean Well, then, yeah, you have the, like, Rothschilds dating, uh, God, what's her name? The Dern. Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz. Yeah, so yeah, Cameron David, Diaz David definitely probably connected to royalty. Didn't we go over her David, before? I don't. I don't know. I know David Merritt Rothschild was dating her for a while, and, um... I don't know. Uh, I don't think. I don't think they are either. I don't. I don't think they're still dating. I don't think so. But yeah, yeah. David Meredith Rothschild was all over Hollywood for quite a while. So if you just put in Cameron Diaz and royalty. This comes up. Leonardo DiCaprio and Cameron Diaz hung out with royalty last night. Hmm. That's a big surprise, huh? Prince Albert II of Monaco. Monte Carlo. Just hanging out. That's what to do. Yeah, I know. I know back when... 2004, 2005, when they were really starting to push the green thing. I know that's kind of... embedded into our lexicon now. Yeah. Right. That, um, David Mayer de Rothschild was all over Hollywood pushing, gr you know, green lifestyle and recent, you know, recent living and all that type of stuff. Yeah, he made a sailboat out of, like, water bottles. Co like, used water Coke bottles. bottles or something. Yeah, I think he called it, he called it, like, Contiki or something. Like, after Thor hired all his boat. Oh, I'm trying to remember what that was about. The Contiki was uh, the guy recreated um, one of the, the like a like a Hawaiian uh, vessel and sailed it from Hawaii to the United States or something like that. I can't remember what happened. He sailed it from. Um, uh, I can't. Remember. I think it was from Australia to the Philippines. Oh, okay. To kind of to prove that there was uh, all seafaring ancient cultures that could have made long distances, yeah, yeah, like you know, able to navigate on the flat Earth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, well, yeah. I th 
think that about does it for our HBC special report. Um, Mr. Kendall, you got quite an editing job ahead of you there. Yeah, we only had like 50 dropped calls <laughs> for every uh, sensitive for every, individual for we every, mentioned. Every, every, every Jeff Skunk Baxter reference. <laughs> Bloop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, somebody was really uptight about making the connection to the Defense Department and to the guy who played guitar on What a Fool Believes. <laughs> Anyways, um, we want to thank everybody for listening. Um, if you want to donate to HBC, go to the page there. You'll see the donate button. And... Uh, and yeah, th- thanks to everybody who uh, has donated, and um, uh, thanks to anybody who's contacted me about uh, essential oils. And if you want to contact me, you can find my uh, information there on hoaxbusterscall.com and support Chris. Give Chris money so that he can uh, keep the website up there. And uh, like I said, our uh, loyal listeners and supporters, we thank you very, very much. Yeah, you absolutely, absolutely. So, Mr. Kendall, I will speak to you next week sometime. Yeah, sounds good, man. All right, great, great. Um, everybody, have fun with that little uh, bit of information there about our. Uh, Acting elite. Yes, <laughs> acting royalty. Connected. Yeah. And yes, and enjoy this next song right here.
Introducing the Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChapaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.